Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. If you are or want to be an entrepreneur or a small business person, listen up because this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I've also counseled lots of startups and small businesses over the past 30 years. I have seen a lot of mistakes, many of which were ones I made myself. The show has two goals. First, to share information and resources. If I can help just a couple of you out there not make some of the same mistakes that I've seen or made myself, then I'm, I'm going to be a happy camper. And the second goal is to inspire. I don't know about you, but I found being an entrepreneur was often lonely, discouraging, confusing. Sometimes you have no idea if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So to help with both those goals, I have guests on my show every week. And this week, my guest is Nicola Brown with her company, Kokoro. And we've got something interesting planned for you. It's not your typical question and answer interview show. Those of you who have listened on the show before, to the show before, will know I'm usually the one interviewing and my guest shares either some of their substantive expertise or their story as an, and journey as an entrepreneur. Well, today I have a treat. We're going to do something totally different. Nicola has convinced me when I asked her to tell me about her program and what she does for people, she said, you know, the best way is to show people. And she said, if you're willing, I'm going to put you through some of the typical things that we start out with my own clients. And so folks, this is going to be interesting. I have no idea what to expect, but before we get started, I just want to say, Nicola, thanks so much for joining today and being on the show and for being willing to do this. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. Like I said, you're going to teach uh, the old dog a new trick here, I think, because you know, I have my format and when you were like, well, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm like, Whoa, what? What? But, you know, before we get into that, I want you to have a chance to talk about your company a little bit. And so tell my listeners, what is Kokoro and what services does it provide and who's it designed to help? Absolutely. So Kokoro designs human-centered environments and curate stories that advance our understanding of our health and the future of learning in community with others. We do that by partnering with ambitious organizations and communities and humans to do this work here in the U.S. and globally. Wow, how cool. All right, there must be a story behind the name because it's an unusual name and... I tried to look it up and I think it's something Japanese, maybe? I don't know. So tell me about the background. What's the name mean and how did you choose it? So Kokoro has a dual meaning. In Yoruba, it means key. And in Japanese, it means heart. And uh, one of the things that we uh, thought about in naming the company was the essence that we were building a global company and wanted to have that resonance from inception. In addition, knowing that relationships 
and our heart is key to thriving. It's key to our businesses. Everything is only as healthy as our heart is. And so, hey, Kokoro means heart and key. Yeah. So how long has Kokoro been in business and how did you decide to set up this business and go into business for yourself? So Kokoro officially has been in business since late 2018. However, the concept of Kokoro was seeded around 2016. The reason for that was noticing something that you said in your intro, Doris, that leadership and entrepreneurship is lonely. And knowing the impact that that has on our social, emotional, physical, and spiritual health was like, there's got to be something that can be done to help curtail that loneliness and foster our relational health. So that was the base of like, I'm a leader, I'm feeling lonely, let me try a thing. And here we are now. Very cool. Nicola, I know you've been involved with Doyen, a Wisconsin-based organization that's dedicated to helping entrepreneurs help each other. And I, and I want folks to go back and frankly, check out the Doyen group. They do a lot of things online. Yes, they're based in Wisconsin and their live events are there, but they do a lot of things online. And I featured Heather Wentler, who's the executive director of Doyen in one of my Savvy Entrepreneur interviews not that long ago. So I encourage uh, listeners to go back and listen to this interesting interview and some of the ways Doanne helps women entrepreneurs and some of their many wonderful programs. So I just want to say a shout out to Heather Wentler for connecting me to you. So kudos to her and I hope folks go back and listen. Our work with Doyen is supporting their entrepreneurs in their accelerator program and post-program support. So what we learned was that as you're doing this entrepreneurial journey, sometimes you have support and then all of a sudden that falls off. But that support was mainly on your business. And Kokoro designed a program that was human-centered for Doyen that supports their entrepreneurs in that internal growth so that they can externally grow their company and their lives in a way that aligns with them. Take a look at the Doyen Group. They are an amazing organization. Well, Nicola, you kind of really did a nice segue into my next question, which was to ask how you help your clients. I think you gave just a little preview of how you help Doyen's clients, but yeah. but I know your suggestion was, you know, hey, let's blast out of the past format that you have. And I think you, you suggested you take me along on a journey with you. So with that, I'm going to let you drive. Folks, this is a real life, non-rehearsed example of how Nicola and her company might take an entrepreneur or a group of entrepreneurs, just like me uh, or you, on a journey. So take it away, Nicola. Thank you, Doris. So Doris, I'm going to invite you to take a conscious breath and just become aware of how you're breathing in this moment as you just pass the mic to me. Not changing your breath, not modifying it in any way, just noticing it. 
And as you notice your breath, the first question I have for you is if your day thus far could be described as a type of weather, what would it be and why? Just so I'm understanding your question, my day today is what kind of weather is it? Yes. It's a sunny, beautiful day. And why? Well, partly it's kind of a cheat because it is a sunny, beautiful day here in Chicago. But, um, you know, I just I love sunshine. It makes me happy. It makes me smile. It makes me grateful to be alive. And um, it reminds me of all the blessings I have. So, you know, I'm just a person who loves sunshine. Mm, That's so yummy. Thank you. I would describe today as clear and balmy. Uh And why I say that is because it's also warm and it's pleasant. And I similarly love the sunshine. (laughs) So, yeah, there we have it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's balmy here in Chicago. January is seldom balmy. But you're talking about how you feel, not necessarily how the weather is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So had you ever thought about how you feel as a weather? No, never have I thought of myself as weather. What brings to mind when you think of it? I I don't know. It makes me feel peaceful, I guess. More connected to the world around me. That is very true. So environmental science has found that like having meaningful connection to the natural world allows us to like settle in a way that's still unexplainable, but it happens. And so that simple question allows us to be present and notice nature. Because we're thinking about nature as we're thinking about our internal state that no one else sees but us and we share. And so my question that comes to mind right now is, who is the you of now? Who is the you of now? What does that mean? So who is Doris now? In this very second, in this moment? In this present moment. I'm a radio show talk show host that tries to feature women and other entrepreneurs who need an an extra hand or maybe could use a little visibility on what they're doing. Okay. Who else are you? I'm a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a musician. I don't know. I'm lots of things. But as we were talking about, I'm not very good at multitasking anymore. So I try not to think about all the things I am. I try to focus on what I am most at the moment. I find it keeps me from getting into too much trouble, letting my mind wander when I need to be focused on some things. Mm, That's yummy, Doris, to hear that you're starting to, to focus on one thing. So oftentimes as entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs we get to work with and leaders, they're trying to multitask. They're trying to do so many things to keep all the balls afloat. 
that it's hard to understand where to put attention sometimes. Oh, yeah. And it feels like that's a struggle. So I wonder if we can spend a little bit of time talking about when we have tried to hold multiple balls in the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that and to me, the related syndrome of the bright, shiny object. Hey, this is what I think I want to do. And this is how I think I want to do it. Oh, somebody else does that. That's cool. Maybe I should do that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's um, one that I've been guilty of a lot in the past. Yeah. And that then leads to not executing or living the life that you desire because you're always running after something else, which makes it hard to have that awareness of what is taking place and how we're navigating. I think it's that. I think also sometimes when you're, I mean, this is true in life as much as it is when you're an entrepreneur, but I think sometimes when things aren't going the way you maybe had originally planned or hoped, there's a question naturally as well, should I stop? I mean, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Should I do something slightly differently? Or am I just being too impatient and my timeline was just unrealistic and I should just keep moving forward and keep doing what I'm doing? Because, you know, the world is full of these stories of the entrepreneur that was eating their last box of mac and cheese, and then they had their big breakthrough and everything changed. So Mm -hmm. it's in real life, it's tough sometimes to know is what I'm trying. It was brave. It was interesting. It had a good shot, but it's not doing it. Or should I keep doing it? Or should I just pivot a bit? And if so, how should I do that? I think I think those are hard questions, really. Those are really, really hard questions. And those are a lot of the times the questions that the people that Kokoro gets to work with are asking. The question that I often turn back and ask the person asking the question, which is you, Doris, today, is what are the themes that you're seeing? When you pause and look at what you've been engaged in over the last month, what are the themes that you noticed? Hmm. And this is a moment that I'd offer, try not to judge yourself that you don't know, because it's not something that we're trained to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit like telling somebody to, you know, don't think about a white elephant. Yeah. Doris, don't think Doris, don't think about that white elephant. Now, remember, I hope you're not thinking about a white elephant because I told you not to think about it, you know? Yeah. So this is kind of the opposite problem. That that's like I can't stop thinking about that. This is sometimes when you're asked a question like that, it requires more reflection and thought. I agree. And so as you're reflecting and giving that thought, I invite you to also notice if any of your sensations in your body changed, if you notice that you moved in your seat, Hmm. like bringing your full awareness to where you are. 
Well, I certainly am breathing more deeply. I feel like I'm sitting more deeply. Mm-hmm. I mean, your questions are causing me to kind of settle in and think about more than just what I have to do at the moment kind of things. Yes. So oftentimes as we're journeying on this entrepreneurial living journey of being human, we're focused so much on what has happened or what will happen in the future that we miss the moment in the middle mm-hmm. that we just experienced. Yeah. That's our Western culture in a nutshell, really. I mean, yeah, being present, I flunked meditation. I mean, I love yoga, but the um, Shavasana part, you know, where you're supposed to meditate at the end, I, I flunk it. I'm terrible. I'm fidgeting. I'm thinking a million things. I, I'm just, I'm the quintessential Western impatient. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm just bad. And I know I'm not supposed to judge myself about being bad at meditation because that makes it worse. That's again, that's like, don't think about the white <laughs> elephant, you know? Yeah. But it's, um, it's not easy for me. I will admit that. So if I may, I'm going to follow that path right around meditation just for a second. Okay. So what I just heard you say is that you do well at yoga. And then at the end of the session, when there is some stillness, your assessment of yourself is that you flunk it because you fidget and your thoughts are floating in your head. And so that must mean that you're flunking that part. Well, I guess I I shouldn't judge myself, but I will say I find the movement part of yoga to be much more comfortable than the stillness part. So I just want to offer another perspective. You can be like, Nicola, I'm good. I don't want to take that or not. (laughs) Okay. What if you were just developing that muscle and the fact that you notice your thoughts is enough in that moment? It has to be enough because it's all there is at the moment. Correct. And so what if the next time that you go to yoga and you get to that point, maybe your intention is just to notice? Yeah, that would be good. I agree judging myself for what I feel I should be doing. That's sort of the opposite of what yoga is trying to do. I mean, so it's not helpful to judge yourself to say, oh, I'm not doing this part well because I'm only doing what I can do. And it's human that we judge ourselves. Right. All of us do it as well. Right. So both of those are true. Well, and I will say some of the yoga instructors, they make it sound like everybody is just, you know, well on their way to nirvana. And when the reality is, unfortunately, (laughs) there's probably a lot of people like me who need maybe some more remedial help guiding their thoughts a little more mindfully. Yeah. I'm curious now, what's your intention for going to yoga? What got you started? Um, I love the stretching, the strength and the balance. 
Okay. I find it very restful and I love the way my body feels and my mind feels after I finished going to yoga. And how do you keep in mind how that feels when you're not at yoga? Oh, that's a question for a company called Kokoro because, um, <laughs> because uh, unfortunately, like many, many things that we do, that we enjoy or that help us, the effect is fleeting. You know, it's like that vacation that you went on that was wonderful. And about mm -hmm. two, days, two days later, it feels like it was a year ago that you took it because now all those good feelings are gone and you're back kind of in the where you were before. Yeah. And part of that is, so there is a composer by the name of Robert Fritz and he wrote this book called The Path of Least Resistance. And in the book, one of the things he talks about is like, in life, we take the path of least resistance. We try to change direction, i.e. vacation, example you just used, mm -hmm. or even our habits of working out or how we eat, how we mm -hmm. relate to others. Right. We, like, we try to change those, we adapt them, we go to business courses, we learn boundaries, we learn frameworks, right? Right. However, without practice, we eventually go back to homeostasis, our baseline, yep. because we haven't integrated it. And we go back to our path of least resistance. I think and that's so, a lot, law of physics or something, right? It just it you know, is. It's a quantum physics law. <laughs> things will go back yeah. to where they were. Unless you put in a whole lot of energy. You'll barely notice when you're back where you were. Right. So my next question, Doris, is how have you changed a structure in your life? and started something new, like mm. this radio show. You know, I, I've done a number of those kinds of things in my life. I've done a radio show. Also, one of the things I'm most proudest of, most people on the show don't know this about me, but I have always wanted to play in an orchestra. Always, forever. Oh, wow. And um, I love classical music, and I wanted to... I wanted to share music and, you know, I've played the piano. I played the piano for my whole life and I love playing, but one of, the things, one of the things that's kind of hard about playing the piano is that it is for the most part, a pretty solo kind of journey. And I, the, don't get me wrong. I've always enjoyed playing the piano for myself or for my friends, but there's something special for me about sharing music with other people. And I always wanted to play in an orchestra and know what that was like, but I didn't play an instrument that would get me there. So I decided about, oh, five years ago now that I would try to learn how to play the cello. So I started taking the cello, wow. taking cello lessons and set aside a uh, time to practice almost every day. And took lessons once a week and um, slowly got better and 
Now I play with a local orchestra. We're not the world's best orchestra. That's okay. The world's best orchestra wouldn't let me in. I'm not that good yet, but I love, 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 love playing my cello with my local orchestra. And I've met so many wonderful people. It's worth (laughs) it because being in the orchestra is such a different feeling than sitting in the audience, listening to the orchestra. I tell people it's a very cool thing. In fact, the first time I sat down to play with the orchestra, I forgot to play because it was so amazing. The air vibrates, the floor vibrates. Mm-hmm. Insane. <laughs> and it's so, it's something I've been proud of. You know, it just takes one step at a time. You just have to have a goal of something that you really, really want to do. And be lucky enough, I guess, or persistent enough to find someone to help you, to guide you and work with whatever limitations or talents that you have and help you really. I was lucky enough to have a couple of different really good cello teachers that helped me. But also, I just spent a lot of time practicing and was very dedicated about it. What do you think drove your dedication to it? What was it about being in an orchestra that supported you to stay focused? Because I'm sure there were times that you were like, I really don't um, want to practice. this. Oh, well, there were times where I was like, well, this is a lot harder than I ever thought it would be. I just really wanted to, I love playing music with other people. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I've just always loved classical music. And I just always thought it would be amazing to play the music and to share that with other people. You know, an orchestra is amazing because it's one of those things where a group of individuals comes together and produces something that is way, way more amazing than any one of them could produce on their own. Yeah. Talk about teamwork. Yeah, absolutely. And the collaboration and thinking about how that also enhances your health and everyone in the orchestra's health. Yep. And everyone that gets to come to the center that you play at Right. And be in that environment and right. feel the ground vibrate there. Right. And it, you know, it requires listening. I think <laughs> that's another key thing that's very interesting. For an orchestra to play their best, you really have to listen to what the other parts are doing. Because it doesn't help if your section plays really loud, but you don't have the melody. You know, you have to listen. And a good conductor will really help the people in the orchestra point that out. And our conductor Uh is really good. He'll say things like, Charles, I really want you to listen to the, listen to what the bassoon is playing or listen to what, what the horns are playing because you're doing a counterpoint with them. So listen to them carefully because you need to match how they sound. You know, so he's he's just really good at helping, helping you understand, I guess, intellectually how your part fits in with the greater orchestra. Yeah. And Doris, I'm going to ask you, when you say listening, 
It sounds like you're talking about the embodiment of listening and not just using your ears. It's like you are deeply present to everything that that other unit is doing so that you can play well. I agree with that. Where else in life do we or could we apply that kind of listening as we are thinking about living and living with others, like in our relationships, where else might we apply that? I mean, listening is one of those things that a lot of us are not as good at as we could be. Yeah, I often find myself thinking about when did we learn to listen? I don't know that we learned. I mean, I think it's part of our makeup. (laughs) Right. So innately, we know how to listen. But then when did we unlearn listening? (laughs) Um, I I don't know. I I can't speak for others, but. I suspect some of it happens at a pretty young age when parents tell you things that they want you to pay attention to and it's not what you want to do or hear. So you tune it out. Yeah. And I can think about all the times that I have been like, I can't hear that right now. Let me focus my attention elsewhere so that I don't hear the thing that I don't want to hear. In that particular moment, oftentimes I think we develop that skill of not hearing or only hearing a particular part, and then we're unable to come back to the whole. So then we're playing a piece of music, thinking of one of the entrepreneurs playing a music, and entrepreneurs don't exist by themselves. Like every business coexists and is integrated into another, even if you're a solo entrepreneur. And so you're playing a piece of music and everyone has now decided that we're going to move from Bach to Chopin and you're still playing Bach. Right. So how do you sense where you are as a leader? I'm not sure I understand your question. Without the conductor of the orchestra, Mm -hmm. when you're on your own, living your life, how do you bring yourself to presence to then listen? Because there is no conductor. We're the conductors of our lives as we're navigating. Right. So then how do we sense where we are moment to moment? so that we can hear well? I think that's a good question. Going back to your yoga theme, I think the yogi and the the Buddhist would say you, it's a matter of being in the present and being mindful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of times in our busy Western lives, we're not very mindful about many things. We're very caught up in the latest text message we got on our phone or checking our email or phone call or something we're late for and rushing off to be at. The way we've built our culture here in the Western world, it's very difficult to be truly mindful. And I suspect that that's a lifelong pursuit 
-hmm. I think it's just like trying to manage your thoughts and observe your thoughts in Shavasana and yoga. I think being mindful is very, very challenging. Yeah. And I also hear that you're doing it in spite of the challenge. Hmm. How do you assess that I'm doing it? You still go to yoga. Yeah. I didn't hear you say you leave early. No. <laughs> and so that means you're still showing up. Yeah, I, I show up. I mean, the hard part is that you you make a little progress and you see the next horizon, but you mm -hmm. never get you never get there. <laughs> so maybe there's progress, but there's always a lot more to be done. And I, I think that's one of the big challenges of business, of human nature is to want goals and yet not judge yourself on not having gotten as far as you would like to get or be as far as you want to be or think you should be. Because, you know, what I find is when I stop thinking about that, then I'm like, well, I'm happy where I'm at. But if, mm -hmm. I, if I always think that, I would never take up the cello to learn to play the cello to play in an orchestra. I probably wouldn't be doing this radio show. I'd be, you know, just happy doing whatever I had been doing a long time ago. Yeah. And part of that is like, we desire change and change takes effort. Yeah. And then we desire continuity. Even more than change. <laughs> Even more than change, right? Yeah. And that desire for continuity, guess what? It leads us to avoid change. Oh, yeah. And right. so it feels like we're zigzagging between like, I really want to change this thing. Hence, we just, top of the year is the time that most consider their health and wellness. They set goals on right. what they want to change. Right. And this is the time of the year that those start to wane. I agree. You, re you realize that some effort is necessary for that. Oh, I noticed it in my gym parking lot. It was chock-a-block full about the first, second, third of December. Now, as we're approaching the first of February, it, it's not so full anymore. Right. But gyms don't close because we live in cycles. And so... Part of it is understanding if this is my cycle that I desire change and growth, and then I realize the effort, I either pause that effort and go back to my homeostasis and then resist change. But then I remember why I wanted to change it means that it's going to take me a little while before I get into the habit and make it into being into an orchestra like you, Doris. Yeah. I think one thing in my experience that sets entrepreneurs apart is that there are people in general who are not very attracted to, what did you call it? Homeostasis. They're not, they're not very interested in the status quo. 
They are people with a lot of restless energy. Because they think there are things about the world that need to change, and they're hoping they're one of the people who can make those changes. Absolutely. That's why I would say 90% of people come to entrepreneurship is that vision for changing and making things better in some form or fashion. And one of the things that I found that hampers that is also not knowing what their current reality is as an entrepreneur. What do you mean by that? So you come in as an entrepreneur, you started your business, you've done all of these things. Um, Oftentimes you've made sacrifices socially, emotionally, physically, fiscally, relationally. And your business is at a point that it's about to grow again, yet your mindset and your internal navigation system is still at when you started. Hmm, interesting. Because you haven't actually looked up to see where you are, looked up to see how things have changed because you've been so laser focused on this is my North Star, this is my destination that I'm headed towards. And you've changed. Not only has your physical environment and set of circumstances shifted and changed, but you, the person that you are, changes as you are going towards that North Star. And what we find often in Kokoro is that People haven't actually had the time to notice, which is how we started, Doris, when you gave me the reins, to notice where they are today. Hmm. Well, so how do you recommend people go about becoming more aware of the journey that they've been on and where that's taken them and how it's changed them? So in our Western society, It takes a little slowing down. And I often say to go fast, you go slow because you're able to notice and become aware of the subtleties that you would bypass because you're moving so swiftly. And the visual metaphor that I use is think about if you walk around your neighborhood, what you notice as you're walking versus what you notice when you're driving. Hmm. If you do the same exact route, you would notice different things. For sure. Absolutely. Similarly, as you are building and scaling your business, oftentimes the things that we're focused on are the KPIs, the metrics, the OKRs, etc. We don't notice ourselves and how we're changing. We notice the changes in the business as a physical structure, but we don't notice the human. A business is only as healthy as the humans. Interesting. What does that make you think? It's like a um, piece of hard candy that you have to kind of suck on for a while and think about. I love hard candy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like it because you can... It can stay around for a long time and you can partake of it intensely and you can 
crunch part of it with your teeth and you can put it in the back of your mouth and hardly mess with it at all. It's, it's kind of a fun thing. And yeah. anyway, I have enjoyed this a lot. We are just about out of time, Nicola. And okay. really appreciate you taking the time to take me along on this journey. And I want to give you a chance to wrap up with a few parting thoughts, as well as letting people know how they might get in touch with you or your company to learn more if they're interested. Absolutely. And Doris, I want to thank you for showing up today and exploring. And as we close, the question that I would ask you is what surprised you in our conversation today? And this is how we normally close a live conversation or a digital conversation within Kokoro um, through our technology or live with a facilitator. Hmm. That's, that's great. Are you, you're asking me what surprised me? I am. <laughs> huh. I think what surprised me was how um, how your questions made me slow down and think think about things. Because um, I know my breathing got deeper and I was sitting deeper in my chair and um, just, you know, my muscles felt more relaxed. And so um, obviously taking time even just to answer even if you struggle or don't know the answers, just the process of slowing down and thinking about things obviously has some benefit and changes your body's response to your environment. And, you know, that that's probably a good thing in our world where we move too fast all the time. Yeah. It allows us to lean in and foster deeper relationships. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, all right. That was wonderful. Remind people, though, how they can reach you and, um, you know, how they can find out more about your company if they're interested in learning more. Yeah. If you're interested in learning more about Kokoro, visit us on our website at com and backslash currency for our currency conversations. And that is a way to join live conversations that are facilitated by one of our expert facilitators and deepen with our community, your ability to think, focus, and live healthy and well. Very cool. I'll, I'll be sure to check that out, folks. I hope you do as well. So yes. thanks again to my guests this week. Nicola Brown, thanks so much for joining me this week and taking us on a unusual and special journey. So I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doris. And thanks to all my listeners. I appreciate you as well. You're the reason I do this. If you have comments or questions or suggestions, I'd always love to hear from you. Even if you just want to shoot the breeze, email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, 
at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. I would love to hear from you. I promise you'll always get an answer back from me. Now, um, you can also check out past interviews on of The Savvy Entrepreneur at my website, www.thesavvyentrepreneur.org. There's also there lots of free blogs and tools, as well as past episodes of the show and lots of other resources. So check that out when you get a chance. Be sure to join me again next week at 11 a.m. Central Time for another great guest and topic. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.